Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 76, They Judged Him Faithful. Well, here I sit in my house that feels very empty. We're about to move in about six days, and I have a lot going on. And I just want to testify to you guys that even when things are really, really busy, that we still have time to make for the Lord. And the Lord helped me make time this week in a week where I could say, ah, I do not have time to prepare a podcast episode. The Lord helped me make time. And actually I heard a really great, uh, quote, or I don't even know who said it in sacrament meeting the other day. And the person speaking said, if you don't have time for the Lord, then you are far busier than the Lord ever intended for you to be. Don't you love that? I loved it. And I kind of modeled my last couple of days as I prepared on that. And it was such a blessing. And I'm so grateful for that time I spent preparing this and that it, I think it added to my week. It made it so that I am more able to better get things done because I am immersed in the scriptures and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And the Lord will make up and help me and support me through everything that I need to do. All right. So this week we get to read about one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. And to be honest, in part, a lot of it is just because it's so romantic. The description of the story of Rebecca and Isaac is just so beautiful, just the language even. But more seriously, the reason I want to go through that story is because I think it's an incredible example of a moment in Abraham and Isaac's life where the Lord showed them that he was in the details of their life. We read about so much hardship that these men went through, hardship that sometimes seemed as though the promises that they had been given couldn't possibly come true. Things were happening that seemed contradictory to those promises. But I believe that this is one example of, I'm sure, many that happened in their lives where the Lord showed them that all things are in his hands and all things will work together for their good and all things will culminate in the fulfillment of every blessing that they had been promised. So as you listen to this story, I want you to ask Heavenly Father to have the Holy Ghost bring to your remembrance the times that the Lord has unmistakably shown you that he is there. Okay, so we've got Isaac, who was born to Abraham and Sarah at a very old age. And at this point, Isaac is nearing 40 years old. Abraham and his family lived among the Philistines in the land of Canaan, where the Canaanites who were not able to have the priesthood live and are not able to perform or participate in ordinances within the covenant. Sarah had just died, and Abraham and Isaac were both mourning that, and Abraham was getting quite old, and he was just very concerned that Isaac marry within the covenant. So it says in Genesis that Abraham asked his servant to put his hand under his thigh, But we read in the Joseph Smith translation that it actually says, put forth, I pray thee, thy hand under my hand. So this is a way to signify the taking of an oath. In our culture, we put our hand on a Bible or raise our right hand, but this is apparently what they did. Abraham basically asked his foreman over all of his properties and concerns to make a note that he will go find a wife in Haran for Isaac among all of his own extended family members. Haran was about 450 miles away from where they currently lived. Now, Abraham's foreman, his who he's called servant in this chapter, has some understandable concerns. He basically says, uh, what if what if she won't come back with me? 
Should I maybe bring Isaac with me so that this is more convincing? But Abraham responds that he absolutely does not want that to be the plan. But he doesn't take his servant's concerns lightly. And basically, he bears his testimony that the Lord provides for his servants and that he will continue to provide. Abraham says in verse 7 of chapter 24 in Genesis, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed I will give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and they shall take a wife unto my son from thence, meaning Haran. So Abraham then reiterates that he should, the servant, should under no circumstances bring Isaac to Haran. He essentially tells them that if this doesn't work, then you are no longer held under this oath, but do not take Isaac there. Now, we don't really know why Abraham was so against Isaac going back. As we'll see in the future, Isaac has Jacob go back to Haran, so so we don't know. Although, now that I'm thinking about that, that was quite an ordeal for Jacob in the future. So maybe Abraham was sparing Isaac a similar ordeal. I don't know. Anyway, the servant took 10 camels and apparently all the goods of his master and went to travel as he had promised. When he got to the land, he went to a well with all of his camels and the servants that he brought with him outside the city of Nahor in the evening when it was cool at the time that the women would come get the water from the well. And when he was there, when he got there, he prayed to God to help him do what he came to do. He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and shew kindness unto my master Abraham. I love this next part. He doesn't just pray that everything's going to work out. He actually proposes a plan to the Lord, which I think is so applicable to how we should approach the Lord when we are trying to accomplish what he has asked us to do. The Lord wants us to be proactive and use our minds that he gave us to come up with a plan and then consult with him on it. He tells the Lord that he is standing by this well where the women come to draw water. And as a sign, let the right woman for Isaac say, when I ask her to let down her pitcher so I can have a drink, let her say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Now, this next part is just beautiful. And just FYI, I'm going to read a lot of it, but I'm going to be omitting some phrases to just construct it into a smaller version of the story. Starting in verse 15. Before he had done speaking, meaning he was saying his prayer to the Lord, telling the Lord his plan, that behold, Rebecca came out with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Then we skip really quick to JST. And the damsel being a virgin, very fair to look upon, such as the servant of Abraham had not seen, neither had any man known the like unto her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hastened, and she let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Now, I'm pretty sure camels can drink a lot of water. So <laughs> I think that was a lot of work. And she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. The servant at this point is staying very quiet and watching her and wondering if this was the answer to his prayer. And clearly he decides pretty quickly that it is because he pays her for her kindness with a gold earring and two bracelets and asks her who her parents were and if there was room for him to stay with them. And she replies saying who her parents are 
and grandparents are. And of course, they have enough room and supplies for him to come stay. And it seems at this point that the servant is overcome with gratitude to the Lord. The man bows down his head and worships the Lord because this is all so perfect. He's having one of those spiritual experiences where we see the Lord's presence in the details of our lives. Things happening that couldn't have happened more perfectly without the Lord's intervention. He's just amazed that not only did all of the events that just happened at the well play out exactly as he had proposed to the Lord in his plan, but he just found out that she is in Abraham's extended family, which is exactly who he was supposed to come find. Verse 27, And he said, Blessed is the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way, meaning he he wasn't sure where to go, and the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Again, JST for a second. And the damsel ran to the house and told her mother these things. I love the amazing visuals of this story. Based on this story, I just can picture Rebecca in my mind because the words are so descriptive. I just imagine Rebecca as just the most kind, Christ-like, energetic, anxious to help kind of person. So she ran to tell her mother. I love that it just it says she ran. She didn't just go. She ran to tell her mother. And then Laban, her brother, ran out to the servant who was still at the well. And side note, we will get to read about Laban in about 20 years, and he deals pretty unfairly with Rebekah's and Isaac's son. So Laban goes out to collect the servants, and he says, Hey, why are you still standing here? I have prepared room for you and for your camels. Abraham's servant goes to the house, gets washed up, and they are about to serve him dinner when he says, Wait. I am not going to eat until I tell you why I am here. So the servant relates what Abraham had asked him to do and even includes the concern that he had that perhaps whatever woman he he would find wouldn't come back with him to marry Isaac. He also makes sure to tell them that Abraham and his family have become quite wealthy and stable. He talks about Sarah and Abraham having a son in their old age. I, I feel like that's probably because... Remember, these people that he's speaking with are the extended family of Abraham and Sarah. So I'm sure it might be confusing them to them to think that their son would be at a marrying age. So the servant tells them everything that just happened at the well in very great detail and that it was so miraculous. At this point, he's asking them if Rebecca can be Isaac's wife. And he says, if the answer is yes, tell me. And if not, tell me which way I should continue to go seeking. In verse 50, it says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. So basically, they very clearly are also touched by the Spirit and are able to feel the truth of the servant's words. And although it says bad or good, so I think they're maybe a little stressed out by this, um, but they don't dare interfere with the Lord's plan. Verse 51 Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. You can almost just feel the relief in this next verse that this task that the servant had clearly felt was very daunting had just unfolded by the Lord so clearly to him and now so clearly to Rebekah's parents and Laban. Verse 52, And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. 
The servant stays the night, he eats with them, but then in the morning he is anxious to head back to Abraham. But her family asks that she at least get to stay for 10 more days. And based on what happens next, where they ask Rebecca some questions, it seems as though Rebecca is probably like, ah, I mean, let me, I'll come, but let me stay for 10 days. And this to me seems pretty reasonable, but clearly based on Abraham's servant's reply, he is very anxious to continue with his journey as quickly as possible because he still insists. Verse 56, and he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And just as I read that, it makes me think about all the times in the scriptures where we read that a prophet doesn't hesitate and immediately does what the Lord asks him to do. And so it seems to me that the servant is saying, the Lord has prepared the way for this and we need to not hesitate. We need to not delay acting on this on this path that the Lord has so clearly set out for us. So they send for Rebecca to see what she thinks. In verse 58, and they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they go. But before they leave, they give her a blessing that said, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. So they travel back. And remember that this was not a short journey. It was 450 miles. When they got where Abraham and Isaac were, they saw Isaac coming from a pathway that goes to the well. And I'm just going to read this part because it's just so beautiful. Verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw and beheld the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Ah, don't you just love it? There are so many beautiful things in that encounter. Isaac was out meditating, and I interpret that to mean that he was praying. And wouldn't it be amazing to know what he was meditating or praying about? Was he praying that the servant's mission would be successful? Was he praying for the well-being of his of his future bride? I don't know. But it sure would be romantic, huh? <laughs> Some speculate that he might have kind of known how long that journey would take and might have been estimating when he thinks that they could be coming back. So so perhaps he was out watching for them. I love that it says Rebecca lifted her eyes and lighted off the camel when she saw Isaac. And then the end part, she became his wife and he loved her and Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. It's just such a tender experience that we get to read about. Okay, aside from the beauty of the words of the story, there are for sure so many things that we could pull out of this story and learn. But as usual, we're going to talk about one aspect that really stood out in my mind. For being a family that was promised endless posterity, they had a pretty rocky start. We have Sarah and Abraham who were infertile for nearly a hundred years. And then we learn in the chapters next week that Isaac and Rebecca were also infertile for about 20 years. But then we see other tender parts of the story where the Lord is very clearly showing them that he is in the details of their life. And this story that we just read is one of those stories. 
And I'm sure if we could talk to Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Rebecca, they would have many more stories that we don't even know about yet. Abraham had faith when he sent his servant to go find Isaac a wife that the Lord would lead the way. The servant constantly throughout the story acknowledges the Lord in the details of the experience. And we see very clearly in the lives of Abraham and Isaac that things definitely didn't always seem to be going successfully, that these grand promises that they had been promised by the Lord seemed very far out of reach. They had a lot of trials and a lot of times when they could have chosen to lose faith in the Lord, but they don't. They keep going. And the Lord shows them with miraculous experiences like this along the way that he is with them. And the same can happen with us as we live our life through faith. I want to read you some verses from Hebrews 11 and 12. Now, this is Paul commenting on the great examples of Abraham and Isaac and what we can learn from that. And just FYI, I'm going to skip around a few verses as I go. Paul says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want to say that phrase again. She judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, meaning Abraham, and him as good as dead, meaning he was very old, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Our God is a God of miracles. Out of one who was infertile for for a super long time came millions innumerable. Do you, like Abraham, do you judge him faithful who has promised? Paul continues, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. All the righteous people we read about in the scriptures died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Isn't that wonderful to hear that that's how it's supposed to be? All of our promises, all of the things that we will receive, they're not supposed to all be fulfilled right now. And all of these righteous people died in faith, believing that the Lord would fulfill his promises, that this isn't the end. What are you waiting for in your life? What promise do you feel the Lord has given you that you thought might be fulfilled by now, but isn't? You're in good company. We read about many, many people in the scriptures who died having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Paul continues, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that the Lord was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received in him a figure. After all of these years of waiting, Abraham is then asked to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. 
But he also knew that the Lord had told him that his posterity would come through Isaac. So Abraham was willing to do this drastic, seemingly crazy thing because he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead. You see that? Such profound faith in promises. In doing that, Abraham isn't doubting that everything the Lord has promised was void because he was all of a sudden asked to kill Isaac, but he just assumed that the Lord would still make it work. Do we do that? When things aren't going the way that we thought that they should in our life, do we quickly go to thoughts that everything has gone all wrong and his promises might might not be fulfilled? Or do we just believe that God can and will fulfill all of his promises, even if it's not in the way that we thought that he would? Even if the plan that seems to be unfolding for your life seems completely wrong from your perspective, we need to be willing to sacrifice our time, energy, effort, and yes, even do things that we don't want to do in pursuit of God's promises. God hasn't promised us anything that involves passiveness on our part. He expects us to pursue what will get us there. And as President Nelson would say, the Lord loves effort. So as we give that effort, we just need to keep in mind that even though we're trying, it might not look like we think it should. So Paul, after talking about some amazing examples of of more prophets, he talks about what we need to do and what we should learn because of their examples. Paul had talked about some really hard challenges in their life. And what we talked about today was an amazing moment that I am sure was accompanied by thousands of other moments where Abraham and Isaac felt unmistakably the Lord's hand in their life, even though things often seemed in their life as if they weren't going as planned. Listen to this next thing that Paul says. Wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What a great gift the scriptures are. We can learn so much from the example, as Paul says, of so great a cloud of witnesses that are contained within them. He entreats us to lay aside every weight and sin and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. How mercifully perfect is it that he includes in that phrasing the help that we will all need to run with patience this race of life? That help is Jesus Christ. Do you think that Abraham or Isaac or Rebecca or Sarah or the servant of Abraham were able to die still having faith that those promises will be fulfilled without relying on the Lord throughout their life, who is the author and finisher of their faith? who makes up the faith that we and they lacked as we rely on him? Let's always be like the servant of Abraham, counseling with the Lord as we make plans, and then immediately returning to the Lord with gratitude and praise when we see his hand in our lives. We weren't ever expected to endure this life sustaining faith and patience without relying on the Lord. The Lord can provide us peace and comfort and safety because his promises are sure. And as we rely on Jesus Christ, I know that each and every one of us will have remarkable experiences that will help carry us through. Experiences, even just small moments that will cause us to say like Laban and Bethuel, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Those moments where the Lord is clearly in the details of our lives As we treasure them, 
and keep them sacred and close to our heart will be an anchor to our faith. As we humbly rely on Him, as we do the things that we have been asked to do, as we put effort into pursuing the blessings that we have been promised, as we accept with humility that we were never supposed to understand everything here and now, the Lord will bless us with those experiences and witnesses from the Holy Ghost that will sustain that hope and faith in Him throughout our life. Now in closing, because I think it's worth repeating, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, and then chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.